Support for Paradox comes from the Timothy Center, your online counseling center no matter where you live. The Timothy Center is a marriage and family counseling facility in Austin, Texas, offering distance consultations for those that live outside the Austin area. If you have questions and you'd like to consult with Jimmy, Josh, or one of their licensed professionals, visit them at timothycenter.com. Recording live from Austin, Texas, a conversation about marriage and family that women will love and guys won't want to turn off. Dr. Jimmy Myers and Dr. Josh Myers are a paradox. Guys, welcome to the show. This is Josh and I'm I'm Paradox. No, I'm Jimmy and this (laughs) is Paradox. Exactly. And we're so excited to have Brent Crow on the show. Brent, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thanks you guys for having me, man. It's an honor to be here. So Brent is the vice president of the Student Leadership University there in Orlando, Florida. And his latest book is Moments Till Midnight. Tell us about your book. Yes, sir. Well, um, it's a book that uh, is a creative thought experiment about the Apostle Paul's life and pilgrimage. So it's, uh, uh, you know, I've, I've had a hard time relating to Paul over the years because he's an apostle, you know, and my shadow's never healed anybody. That you know of. I mean, let's be honest, that you know of. <laughs> that I know of. Right. Never healed anybody. And uh, I've lived in a lot of shadows, but I've never exactly. had one heal anybody. So, um, the, uh, and then, you know, he's an intellect that's a giant. He led the movement of Christianity for 30 years. He, I mean, you know, I mean, he's a hard guy to relate to. So. Sure. I've, I was trying to figure out how do you how do you relate to a guy like that? How is he relatable and imitatable? And so I was in Rome, Italy with some students several years ago, and we went down into the dungeon where he was held uh, just before he was uh, executed, so his last incarceration. And I thought to myself, standing down in that, you know, damp, dark, you know, little hole in the ground uh, where he wrote Second Timothy, uh, what if at this moment there's, you know, there's no more missionary journeys to go on, there's no more churches to plant, there's no more letters to write, the more pastors train, the only thing that's left for him to do is to go home to the heaven country. And, you know, so I just thought to myself, I, that's how we relate to Paul. What if Paul at the end of the day saw himself uh, on a sacred quest? He was a pilgrim wandering his way to the home heaven country. Um, and and that, that's the paradigm where I go, okay, that's, that's relatable. That's imitatable. Well, when you have someone like Paul, of course, I always looked at Paul, and okay, yeah, technically he wrote half the New Testament, sort of, but he's saying things like, you know, I'm the chief among sinners. When I want to do that which is good, I inevitably do that which I do not want to do. And I'm going to go, okay, actually, I maybe can relate to this guy. You're right in that he's such an extraordinary leader, so much so. I mean, to, to think that he goes before the council at Jerusalem, and first, right off the bat, he's this notorious you know, Christian persecutor, and and he talks his way onto the first team, basically. What were those things about Paul that made him stand out among all the other early Christian leaders? Well, I mean, you know, I think there was a, you know, not to get too mystical, because we're trying to, in some sense, uh, bring uh, the Apostle Paul down from a mythical figure into someone who's a little bit more understandable, but uh, I do think that the, there was a special anointing on his life or a special task. Um, and that's really what set him apart, I think, in the early church. And, and then, of course, you know, we're talking about a guy that ticked off the, the emperor so much that the, the guy led a nationwide, or I should say empire-wide um, campaign to stamp out anybody that was part of Paul's movement. And then, mm-hmm. 
you know, went so far as to most historians believe the Great Fire of Rome was started by Nero himself or by Nero, uh, you know, at, at his request. And then he blamed it on the Christians so that he could lead even further persecution. So, right. you know, I mean, he, he, he got under the skin of those who uh, who were very pagan and uh, hedonistic in their worldview, if you will. So I, I think he was anointed for a specific task that was in direct opposition to to this to the Roman Empire. And then of course you have Jesus who was crucified. Is there something about in to, in today's society and within the church in America today that we don't necessarily want to be disliked. We sort of want to fit in, we want to uh, be we want our books to put us on Oprah. We want important people to think well of us. And yet our roots are in people that did the exact opposite. I think there's so much of a of an emphasis on, you know, relational things and loving people. Absolutely. But sometimes loving them is telling them the truth that they don't want to hear. How do you see Paul as it reflects in, in this current 21st century American church? Uh, well, I don't think he would have his own television talk show. I don't think that... But he'd have a Learjet, right? Because yeah, it's important. His Learjet would be, yeah, and he would go, yeah, that's, that's, I need that. That Jesus had a hammer, I need a jet. So, um, <laughs> I, you know, I don't, I don't see, you know, there is, what you're talking about is a westernized version of Christianity. And, and I do I, I see Paul struggling to fit into that, to be quite honest with you. In fact, the, the entire grand narrative of Scripture, um, Jesus or the Lord primarily worked among the marginalized. Mm-hmm. And and that's hard for us to get our head around in a Western individualistic, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and mm-hmm. and and thank God for our entrepreneurial spirit. I mean, that the Lord's used that in some sense, but I think when it when it when we become so self-reliant, that's when it becomes very, very dangerous. It, it, I'll tell our students all the time this, that the Bible is the one true story that gives all other story meaning and definition. And as you look into the grand narrative that is God's story, if you can't find your story, then you're on the wrong path. And, uh, and I think that's the challenge for a lot of us in a Western context. And Jimbo, you asked earlier kind of what set Paul apart, and Brent, I want to hear your thoughts on this. I've always felt like he just, to y'all's point, the chief of sinners, I think he always understood the depth of his sin. And if you can, if you can connect with your sin and therefore rely on a Savior, it gives you all the confidence in the world. Because in the world, it's not about you at that point. Well, he, you know, and that's probably why he wrote about grace more than any other topic. You know, he mentions grace over a hundred times in yes. thirteen letters, and uh, and so, and I think it's you know, context is is really important. I think in in I'm on I'm on a I'm on a podcast right now with a couple of very intelligent top shelf thinkers. Something like Amen. that, and and all the people said. <laughs> At least that's what the website said. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I wrote that. The uh, uh, but you know, context is sometimes very instrumental in, in, in the interpretation process. Mm-hmm. And the historical context for Paul, Paul, when Paul said, I'm the chief of sinners, he didn't write that in you know Acts 9, five minutes after he'd been saved. He'd been following Jesus for a long time when he wrote mm-hmm. that. What does that tell us? That means the closer he got to the light of Jesus, the more dirt he saw in himself. Yeah. The yeah. more he followed Jesus, the more he realized he needed yeah. Jesus. Yeah, what is that phrase that you know that you know the closer you get to God, the further away from God you realize you are. Mm, yeah, yeah. 
But that I think that has implications, and Brent, I don't know if you were finished with your thought there, but for our parenting, I think in our, our 21st century America, we do so much to try to build up the self-esteem of our children. You're so good. You can do anything. You're special. I, I feel like, yeah, we really have a hard time connecting with our depravity, unlike Paul. Is it, is it right to tell our, teach our children that they're special, or is it more theologically accurate to teach our children that they're infinitely valuable because they're made in the image of God? And they've been endowed with certain gifts that they are to steward, and that's what makes you special. That's and, what makes uh, you special. Yeah. And 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 so that's I think the challenge is is that we have we have watered down our terms, um, or failed to even define our terms to the point that uh, it's just about self esteem and and and. You know, the biblical word for edification doesn't mean that I just put a sticker on my kid's shirt every day, you know, mm-hmm. and tell them well done. No, I, I, to build up is to, to it's, it's the idea of putting another layer on a house, another story on a building, another, you know, and so how do I build them up with a very strong foundation? That, that's our challenge. So we talk about parenting as it relates to uh, our westernized context, I think we, we teach our kids that, you know, our home is a place in which, yes, you have to understand the sufficiency of Christ. Yes, you're going to experience encouragement. But I think one of the best ways to teach our kids to um, rely on the sufficiency of God is to encourage them to use the, their creative gifts. Because when they use their imagination and creative gifts, they're inevitably going to fail at times. And that's mm-hmm. a good thing. And, uh, and, and so I, I think if your kid gets out of your house with, without a few failures under their belt, if they get out of your house and there's no scars on them, you didn't do your job as a parent. And I don't exactly. mean that in a physical way. I mean that in a, they had to try some things that didn't, that, that, were, that weren't bad, but they just didn't work. They, they, they got yeah. some failures under their belt. So obviously this book, Moments Till Midnight, it is written for really any and all ages, but you there at your university primarily work with students. What can young people in particular learn about the Apostle Paul? You know, the psalmist writes, uh, happy are the people whose strength is in you and whose hearts are set on pilgrimage. Um, you know, that, 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 that phrase, whose hearts are set on pilgrimage, could, you know, literally be translated, the highways are on their hearts. And so I'm, you know, I work with students. We're not a university. We, 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 we prepare students for university. It's a leadership development journey. And in our leadership development journey, um, we're trying, you know, you, 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 Generation Z, this, this crop or new breed of thinkers, if you will, that is just so amazing. Um, but they are longing for adventure. They are longing to go on a journey. They hear a statement like what Helen Keller wrote, life is a daring adventure or it's nothing at all. And they go, yeah, sign me up for that. Mm-hmm. So their mindset is already bent towards, I want to go on a journey. I want to go on a sacred quest of some kind. So, you know, a guy like Paul to study his, his life through the lens of a pilgrimage that to journey well is something that I think they already have an appetite for, which is part of why I wrote it. Um, but it, uh, it, it looks a little different than you probably thought when you were getting on your social media outlets this morning and when you were posting and being a photojournalist on Instagram yesterday. And when you were, you know, it probably looks a little different than you thought, but you already have an appetite for it. So let's, let's, let's feed that appetite with a, sure. a great example of a journey uh, well-wandered. There's so much for a, a, a young person to glean from Paul. 
for not only what he did and what he said, but but how he said it and how he did it. But what about for, you know, you've got parents there, you're parents of young kids today, and they are in, they look at our society that's basically telling them that up is down and down is up and right's wrong and wrong is right. And they're petrified. I know that because we see them in the office. Every, they're just, they're petrified of the world in which they're raising children. Well, you know, Paul, as, as you said, he was in, in the pit there in Rome when he wrote Second Timothy, but he was at a time that could have been hopeless, that he could have seen no way out. What does Paul have to say to young, worried parents today? Yeah, that's a great question. That is a great question. Well, I think um, the best way to answer that question is a, is to study Second Timothy, because the you know a lot of theologians I've read said you know Second Timothy has a very parental tone to it. Paul is, knows he's about to die, and he's writing to his son in the ministry. So Paul is is writing in a time now here in at least America. You know, it's it's a very uh, Christianity is is countercultural, and but you know, and and we think that how bad it is, and up is down, and right is left, and I mean all these twisted things that we're taught, and it's very immoral and things. That we we can point out the list of what's wrong with our culture all day long, but Paul was writing to his son in the ministry, his son who a young man that he had mentored, really been a father figure to for you know twenty maybe plus years. And and he's it, it, it's illegal for him to be a Christian. Um, he's you know you he he knows in the back of his mind that Timothy may suffer a very similar fate that he's going to suffer. And so I think that Paul has a lot to say uh, about uh, raising teenagers or influencing and stewarding those amazing children that are in our home in how he corresponds with Timothy primarily in Second Timothy, since he knows it's his last letter to him. And if I could just give you five very, very quick points I, I, from Second Timothy, I think just in the first chapter, he encourages Timothy. Um, he, 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 he remembers Timothy, I'm mindful of your tears, tells Timothy that he's praying for him, uh, you know, basically around the clock, which is a use of hyperbole to communicate to Timothy how, how important Timothy was. Uh, to Paul, uh, he encouraged Timothy to use the gifts, right? And of course, for Timothy, that was pastoral ministry that had been stirred up through the laying on of hands. Um, he encouraged Timothy to uh, not be, obviously, uh, to be an unashamed a witness for for Jesus, and and he encouraged Timothy to know and experience um, God's resources. Uh, he, t- you know, God's not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of sound mind or self-control. So these are God's resources. So I, I think the best way for a parent to be encouraged from Paul's journey is a study of, of, of second Timothy. And then we can translate that to the home should be a place of encouragement. The home should be a place in which a young person can discover their gifts. I don't hear you saying parents need to have all the right answers. They need to, you know, do all the right things. I think there's so much parental anxiety, but you're just simply saying kind of get out of the way and just use God's resources. Well, use God's resources and, and, and be the, be the best version of you as a parent that you can be. You know, the greatest resource you have for your kids is a life well-lived in front of them. And if, if we get bogged down by anxiety, we, 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 
we sometimes we can get so focused and I know you guys are counselors and, and you deal with parents. And so, you know, a lot more than I do about some of that, but I talk to parents every day. Sometimes we get so focused on our children that we neglect our own spiritual well-being. We neglect the journey that we are on. The greatest yeah. resource that we can offer our kids is to show them the directions to the heaven country. Yeah. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus home. And sometimes I think we forget that because we can become over fixated on, are they taken care of? Oh my gosh, are they getting bullied? Or is this happening? Or is that happened? Do they have a scrape on their knee? And all of those things are important. All of those things, I'm not devaluing any of those things. I'm just saying, don't forget your greatest resource is a story well told in front of your kids. So whether it's a older adult, single, whether it is a parent, whether it's a student that picks up this book, what are you wanting readers in our last couple of minutes? What are you wanting readers to walk away with? A fresh paradigm, a fresh paradigm for how to live life. That life is is not just a series of events that happens, but life is a pilgrimage. That God has summoned us, called us, created us for journey. That He has put the highways on our hearts, and He is calling us to follow Him homeward. You know, we lost Eugene Peterson not long ago, and. Um, his family said that in his final days, there was one phrase he said over and over and over again uh, that was so understandable. And it was the phrase, he would just shout out periodically, let's go, let's go. <laughs> and, you know, his family believed that he was saying, let's go home. Yeah. Let's go to the heaven country. I followed mm-hmm. Jesus. And you live a life that you're prepared to be able to say that. Mm-hmm. Right. Super great. Good, good, good stuff. Thank you so much for being on the show, Brent. Thanks, you guys, for having me. Such an honor. If you want any more information about this book and or Brent, it is momentstillmidnight.com. Brent, thanks. Appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Brent was fantastic. Really, really good. Really good. And I know that we have a hard time relating the Bible to our everyday life. When we do. I mean, we do. Uh, I mean, I think families do. I think individuals do. That's why he started writing this book, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I don't, I don't think I can connect with him, understand him, let me go on this journey. And here's a perfect example of a book that, that really digs into just a part of Scripture and just really sort of, of, of brings new light into it and shows you how these words that were written a couple of thousand years ago, how they absolutely pertain to the way you get out of bed and walk out of your house, how it impacts your everyday life. And being able to examine the life of the Apostle Paul, Mm -hmm. how it impacts us on how do we raise our child to be that way. And as a younger person, how can I emulate this guy? One of the few, I mean, one of a handful of people, to include Jesus, a handful of people that has ever walked the planet that has changed the course of human history. I loved his bit about using God's resources as as parents. And don't rely on your own. Yeah, well, all my resources are anxiety, Mm -hmm. you know, just riddled with anxiety. And that then informs how I parent. But whether it's encouraging, making sure that they know that I am praying for them, it's really just releasing our children to have a relationship with their Creator. God was in our children's life long before us and will be there long after. And not feeling like we have to do and say all the right things, uh, just pointing them to Christ. I love that. Yeah, it's a good book. Again, check out the book. If you want more information about Brent as well as the book, it's momentstillmidnight.com. If you want more information about this episode as well as any previous. It is paradoxpodcast.com. You can also find us on our show, our socials there. We appreciate you for listening. See ya. Paradox is produced by Billy Lee Myers Jr. For more about Billy, go to therapywithbilly.com. 
For more information about our Paradox Evangelist, Julie Lyles Carr, go to julielylescarr.com. And if you want more details about what was discussed on today's show, go to paradoxpodcast.com. Thank you.